Thank you for joining us on this episode of Eminent Teachnology with Dr. Rochelle Newton and Drew Stennett, where we examine current and emerging technologies through the lens of diversity and equality. Uh, hello, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of Eminent Teachnology with Dr. Rochelle Newton and Drew Stennett. Uh, I think we have another fun one today. I don't know if it will be as fun as the weed conversation <laughs> from our uh, last uh, get together, but today we're going to talk about uh, BitTorrents and torrenting and just all of the all the details on that. So, uh, Rochelle, I, I, did you have some questions about it, or you are? Uh, well, I'll, I'll let you take it away. Well, you are more the security expert than I am, so you probably have more experience with this than I do. This is not my strongest suit, so I thought we would start by me asking you a series of questions that would help our audience understand what these things mean and how they relate to our interaction online. <laughs> so first thing I want to ask you, and this is an obvious question, but what does it mean anonymously or being anonymous in, in the world of the web? So when you think about anonymity on the web, uh, I think it's a little bit misleading because if you go online and you can create whatever aliases you want, right? You don't have to be Rochelle. You can be Santa Claus. Santa. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And like, I think in most people's minds, they think that makes them anonymous online because you're not, you know, you're not actually Santa Claus <laughs> or at least we don't know that for sure, but I'm pretty, I'm mostly confident that you're not Santa Claus. Uh, and uh so, and even though you're claiming to be Santa Claus online, people that really want to find out who Santa Claus is, you know, behind the scenes, like, want to know that it, no, it's not Santa Claus, that's Rochelle. Like, that is still possible. So a lot of this uh, anonymity online is sort of a fallacy, unless you get really deep into things like... Uh, the onion router and more of these dark web type technologies that uh that are built to hide your identity because the web today like it was not built to hide any identities it wasn't built to secure your identity it wasn't even built to secure the traffic that contained your identity it's just uh uh very trackable <laughs> got it so when and you mentioned one of the words I want to ask you, but I want to start off by talking about VPN. So at Duke, we use VPN whenever we we uh, log into the to the network there. Mm -hmm. So basically, VPN is a virtual private network. But can you explain to us what a VPN does and how does it help contribute to if you have any anonymity uh, and not whatever that word is? It's a hard online. to say word. Well, right now. But if you if you have any, how does VPN provide an an an, an I quit. That's how's, it, how, how's it make you not who you are? Exactly. <laughs> I'm not Santa Claus. <laughs> yes. So VPN stands for Virtual Private Network, I believe. And what that does is, you know, by default, if you get on the internet from your home computer, uh, you are coming from your home address, like your home internet address or IP address. What a VPN does is it says, okay, you're going to connect to a VPN, which is say maybe in, uh, we'll say Australia. So instead of looking like you're in your home in Durham, you're going to connect to this server in Australia. And then all of your traffic is going to come from that server in Australia. So that does hide 
I guess all of this is in layers, right? Like security, privacy, you need it all in layers. There's never one thing that you can do to completely say, you know, checkbox, I'm now anonymous. And a VPN is one of those things, right? So say you connect to Google from your VPN, Google sees your Australia address, not your Durham address. However, the VPN provider still sees your Durham address. So now they're the gatekeepers of your privacy and you're putting your trust onto the VPN provider to, uh, to keep you safe. And what a lot of the VPN providers, I, I think all of the free VPN providers and probably most of the really cheap ones, they like sell data about your traffic and what you've been doing. So you may be, uh, you may be protected from Google, but that VPN provider may then be going and selling your data or giving it to uh, third parties who ask for it, right? Like it's uh, maybe those third parties are good law, law enforcement, or maybe those third parties are hackers from another nation or who knows what. So you're sort of shifting the risk there. You're shifting the risk from saying, I don't want, I don't want Google to know my address over to I'd rather have this VPN company uh, know my address. And again, that's only a layer, right? So if you connect to Google through the VPN and then sign in with your Google account, well, now Google's back to knowing exactly who you are and where you're from, right? Like it's, uh, it's not great. So um, I have another question, but but why would like when you go to a site like uh, I logged into Reddit this morning to see if they had anything interested and it said log in with your Google account. Why would they want you to log in that way? Is that another form of tracking you and, ca and capturing information about you? Yes. So it is capturing information about you. I think there's a couple of reasons. One is uh, I think it's easier for a lot of companies to use somebody else for authentication, right? So I don't necessarily think Reddit is in this circumstance, but say you wanted to create, you as Rochelle wanted to create a website and you wanted to have users. Well, that's gonna be like very hard for you as an individual to implement that on a web system, <laughs> right? Like how are you gonna store the passwords? How are you gonna do password resets? What keeps them secure? There's like a million things to think about. So I think on the positive side of doing something like signing in with Google to a non-Google page, it takes your authentication out of the uh, Reddit site, right? Like you don't, they're not gonna have one of your passwords to uh, leak out. You don't have to do another sign up and keep track of another password. You can use your Google information. The flip side to that is now when you log into Reddit, Google knows that you've logged in and also gets like, you know, what pages you are on when you logged in and maybe which page you're going to. So you're sort of giving, it's like a trade-off, right? You're giving up the need to have a specific account at Reddit, but you're giving Google just like a little more information and sort of the same thing with Facebook, right? Like a lot of those sites will say, log in with Google or log in with Facebook. And uh, I believe Facebook has been a little more nefarious with that. And once you're logged in, like they will keep, they'll put, you know, now you're logged into Facebook on these third-party sites and Facebook will like track everything they can out of there, right? Like they'll know which advertisement they sent Reddit to get you, like they'll know everything. So it's very, it's definitely a trade-off. Um, I'm trying to think if I like, in general, I do try and use my Google address when I'm going into those third-party sites, just because I've, 
and I don't know if this is based on fact or just my like general perception, but it feels like Google is pretty good with your authentication, right? Like they don't want to break that trust. Uh, whereas somebody like Facebook, that makes me feel a little more skeevy. And in general, I don't, I don't think I sign in with anything to Facebook besides Facebook. <laughs> I don't even log in Facebook. Okay. <laughs> so my next question is what is a cookie? So there was a cookie monster on Sesame street. There's cookies in your, your pantry, mm -hmm. but in terms of technology, cookies are. Well, there's a bunch of cookies in my belly right now because <laughs> we had some for breakfast and they were delicious, <laughs> but the other kind of cookie. So whenever you do one of these logins, like, uh, we're sort of spoiled in the web today because say you go to, you go to Reddit, we'll use Reddit as the uh, example we'll on, today. We'll pick on them today. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So like you go in your browser, you log in, whether it's with Google or with Reddit or whatever else. And now you're logged in, right? You can click all around on the websites. You don't have to re-log in every time you click. Uh, and the reason you don't have to re-log in every time you click is because uh, Reddit through your browser is sending you a little cookie that gets stored on your hard drive. And that little cookie, and I, I don't know why they call it cookies. It's so it's such like a nice name for something that's not all that great in the long run. Uh, but that little cookie, it's not going to have your username and password in it, hopefully, but it will have a little piece of text data saying that you like have legitimately logged in and, you know, a pointer to your identity. So you go to Reddit, log in, everything's great. Reddit via your browser puts this tiny little text file, which is a cookie onto your hard drive. And it just says, hey, Rochelle, AKA Santa Claus logged into uh, Reddit at this time. She gave us a good password. So like trust it for a day or 30 days or however long you want. And uh and she's good. Uh, in addition to login information, a lot of times what they'll show are like preferences, right? So if you want to, uh, you know, change the look of a website or change the background, or if it's, if it's one of those fancy websites that has stuff like that, little, little things like that will get stored in a, uh, in a cookie. And in theory, Google can't access your Reddit cookies and Reddit can't answer your Google cookies but there can be like a little bit of interoperability in there for things like logging in with a different identity, which I don't know. I feel like that's mostly a good thing in the long run, but it's hard to, it's hard. You can never say that with a hundred percent certainty. Exactly. So uh, I want to talk about cookies just a little bit more. So uh, you can go to a site and not log into it and a little thing will pop. So if you go to like say CNN a little little brow, a little pop up will show up and say it states what their their yep. cookie and, and tracking policies are. So yep. you don't always have to log in. You could just visit a site and it'll say that. And some of them give you the opportunity to X out of that little pop up. Some of them force you to read and acknowledge their cookies before you can go any further or their policies before you can go any further. Mm -hmm. And then there's that. And so there's a little bit to think about in that regard too. So a lot of times security experts say delete your cookies and your history, you know, with some frequency. Mm -hmm. Most of us do not. You know, we have our history from 1901 or before there ever was the internet. We got all <laughs> of our history, right? And, yeah. and all of those cookies. And even, all of these pieces that we're talking about, and we're going to go a little bit further, all these pieces we're talking about are things that track and collect 
data about you and your access. So when you were talking about Google uh, being the authenticator, so if you notice, if you go on a Google site, and let's just say you logged into CNN, you have a site on CNN, you log in your uh, account on CNN, you log into that account, uh, Google will start putting information to you. So if you search CNN for Ukraine, you'll start seeing things like that. And those cookies and all those other things that collect your data help them spew you with all kinds of uh, stuff to buy or know or whatever it is. Yeah. So, and you said this a little bit earlier, that cookies are not always a good thing, but do you subscribe to a philosophy of deleting your, your history and your cookies on your computer regularly, or can you just keep it forever? Uh, yes. So I delete my, so the way I browse the web, I have, uh, I use multiple browsers. So I use Chrome for anything that I want to do with Google, right? And I didn't, I'd like never delete my cookies on there. So pretty much if I want to look at my Gmail or if I have sites that I log in with, with Google, uh, I'll use the Chrome browser, leave the cookies forever, which is probably not great, but you know, it's, it's a very like targeted use case for the web. When I do like random browsing uh, for things like we'll say Reddit in this case, uh, I clear my cookies after every, uh, I have an extension that clears it out whenever the browser quits. Could so, you speak that to me? Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure, for okay. sure. Uh, and it's, a. I will say like, I originally did that with Google, with the Google tools as well, but I was having to log into Google so much. It was just like, yeah. it was a, it was a huge pain. <laughs> so yeah. I switched to, you know, use one browser just for Google-ish, Google-ish stuff and then use Firefox for everything else. So like if I click, and this is another issue with, uh, with cookies is like, if you go to a, a news site, you can read like one article. And then if you want to read another article, you're going to get a warning. And then if you do another right. one, it's just going to like block you. And that's right. all because it's saving that you've re- you've read these stories in, uh, in cookies. So and like, if I want to open up a news story, I will occasionally see like that, hey, you've had too many articles already or whatever. So that's fine. I just close my browser and restart it. And that kills all my cookies and lets me write in. <laughs> and it also seems to, th- one of my pet peeves with the internet now is the targeted ads are so good. Like if I'm in my Google browser and I happen to click on an ad, uh, trying to think of what one has been recently, I clicked on a Marvel meme. Right. It's just some stupid Marvel meme that I clicked on from, I don't know what I was doing, but well, anyway, now, like all I get are Marvel memes, like everywhere. And it's like, I don't want any Marvel memes. They're showing up on my phone. Like it's everywhere. And so like what I try and do now is if I'm going to like Google something that I really don't want ads for, I do that in my browser that does not have long-term cookies because then they just go away. Right. It's very hard to do. Like I try and be conscious about that, but it something still slips through and now I'm getting those ads for the next right. <laughs> year. We need to go back and say something. So we started talking about cookies and this is my fault. Cookies and all those things associated have to do with your browser. And, you know, uh, as Drew just said, you know, he uses Firefox and Chrome. So I use Safari for everything Google, I don't mm-hmm. use Chrome, Google. So, cause Safari does a much better of sandboxing and kind of keeping things a little safer in mm-hmm. my opinion. I don't know if that's true, but it seems safer. And, and yeah. Chrome has some of those features too. I don't know about Firefox. I rarely use Firefox, so that's interesting. I use yeah. Opera 
you know, so I use opera a lot oh, yeah. for uh, like, so my YouTube channel is on opera. My nice. Google drive for my YouTube channel is on opera. So I use opera for that. And then I also have an extension ducked up go attached mm-hmm. to each browser so that wherever I go, I can have a little bit of security, but I want to go back and say, so if you don't know what a browser is, so typically any computer you buy, whether you buy a, a Macintosh or you buy a windows, it comes with a default browser. And in Windows case, almost always it was Internet Explorer for the longest time. And I think they've got a new one now. So. Yeah, Microsoft Edge is the new Edge. one. <laughs> right, right. So, you know, it comes with a browser and the amount of security in those browsers depends on the browser. So like, you know, in, in Microsoft's case, and I don't know whether it's so hard to secure a, a Microsoft browser because of all the fees and features from the applications that use it, but it's usually not a very secure browser. So a lot of people, as you just said, have multiple browsers for different things. So if you are shopping online, you should have a browser that you use just for shopping online. And even if you aren't shopping, if you're just browsing things online so that you can limit your vulnerability, although as we always say, there's no way to be totally secure (laughs) as much as you can. And so cookies are a part of those browsers. So what Drew and I were talking about deleting or removing your cookies, if you go to your browser, it depends on what browser you can go in, there is an option under your browser that allows you to remove your cookies. So Mm -hmm. I think it's under history in Chrome. I'm not exactly sure where it is, but there is a place you can go in your browser and find where your cookies are and delete. I don't know where that is in all browsers. If you do, Drew, please tell us, but you can go delete your your cookies and see your history and delete that as well. So Yeah. And I would say like, don't be afraid of doing that as well. Like you may have to re-log into some things, but uh, like that's good practice anyway, right? Like if you've got something that's logged in forever, what are you going to do when you, you know, change your computer or when your computer dies? Like logging into things, although inconvenient is, is really a necessity on the internet and sort of going back to what you were saying about the browsers, you sort of have to think about too, what is like, what is the person making the browsers intention? So Chrome, which is completely sponsored by Google and Google is an ad company Chrome is going to be great at serving you ads and doing things that, you know, in a Google way, because it's all, you know, the Google ecosystem. Safari, on the other hand, Apple is not an ad company, right? Apple is a hardware, I guess they're mainly a hardware company. Would you call them a hardware company or a music company? A hardware company that does a lot of things. They're like, uh, uh, what is Google? Google is ABC. Yeah, uh, yeah, Alphabet. They do their whole a whole bunch of things. Apple is like that too, but they keep it under their Apple brand. And many of you may have noticed that Facebook has gone to Meta Meta something that I can't remember what their real name is, Meta something, but that allows them to own Instagram, Facebook, whatever else they own in the world of owning things. So, but Apple, I think is pretty much a company that does things that are more consumer related in Mm -hmm. terms of products and services. They're not necessarily uh, looking to entrap you or something other than to retain you as a customer where some of these other companies have a little bit more nefarious desire in your activity with them. Yeah, absolutely. And like Apple has a, they have a focus on privacy because they don't want to get like destroyed by Facebook. Right. So they can say, you know, Facebook don't care about your privacy. Right. Apple could care about your privacy because they have a vested interest in you, you know, buying those iPhones and buying those MacBooks. So Safari is going to be better for privacy, uh, especially compared to Chrome. And I don't know if it would be better compared to Firefox. Firefox is sort of in a weird niche space because they don't really have this like 
mega Apple, Google, or money coming for them. But I think in general, they try to do the right thing. Exactly. And so, so the, and I hope that was clear what we tried to explain to you. If not, um, Google it. <laughs> <laughs> Google Google cookies and how to delete cookies in, in your history yeah. and it'll come up and show you there'll be a lot of course they're going to be a zillion ads but when you get and I suggest people never if you look if you go to the internet you google something so for example I was googling um, uh, cedar trees and so the first 10 links were ads and right in front of it bolded in black it says ad that means it's an ad if you can scroll down so you get to one that's not that, not an ad, that's a general link. And, and you can hover over it too, if you want to, to see where it's taking you or whatever, to give you a sense about that, you know, because typically the first sets of them are trying to get you to buy something or do something. So try to stay away from them. But, but when we talk about the web in the most generic terms, we're talking about the surface web. It's just a big old giant web. And then there are narrow types of web. And one of those is the dark net or dark web. What does that mean? So when I think of dark web, I think of the TOR protocol, which TOR is an awful acronym. It stands for the, which is the T, onion router. And what that is, is it's a, an open protocol that provides uh, another layer of anonymity. So if I'm using, if I want to look at, so right now, like there's .com addresses, right? Like that's what the regular internet is, is .com, .org, .edu. That's sort of like, that's the last part of a URL. And it's like, the it's the domain part or the first domain piece. Onion routes are, they, they all end in .onion and they are, they provide anonymous, that is a hard word to say, <laughs> uh, anonymous uh, connectivity. So if I want to connect to google.onion, which I think they have an onion address, I'm not 100% sure, uh, I could do that anonymously with my Tor browser. And what the browser is going to do is instead of connecting from my laptop in Durham to the, or in Holly Springs, I, I don't live in Durham. I forgot where I lived there for a second. <laughs> <laughs> you can move in with us anytime All you right. need wife and you come right on over. Durham, Durham is super great. nice. I, I miss it's going there every day. Yeah. <laughs> but instead of connecting to Google from Holly Springs, what the Onion router or tour is providing is it's going to say, okay, Drew, you said go to Google, but what I'm actually going to do is I'm going to jump to Rochelle's computer, and then I'm going to jump to a computer in Australia, and then I'm going to jump to a computer in California, and then I'm going to jump to Google. And it's going to route all that traffic back through those multiple layers. And that's why they call it the onion because, you know, layers of an onion or whatever. Yeah. 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 So it gives you, it's not like 100% anonymity, but it gives you connection anonymity. So like if I'm going from Drew's computer to Rochelle's computer to computer in Australia, you know that I connected and you know that my connection went to Australia but Australia doesn't know my connection. Google doesn't know my connection. Like it sort of provides these like little layers of uh, anonymity between each connection. So like where it really took off was the, there was a uh, black market drug and services site called the Silk Road. Yeah. Uh, and I think that, I think that was probably, that's probably the biggest dark website that has like ever existed. And with that, you could go to it. It was only accessible via the, uh, via tour. 
and uh, you could buy like drugs and uh, I think you could even buy like Hitman and stuff. Like it was a very like sketchy, yeah. sketchy, uh, sketchy, sketchy site. And people, they had a hard time. The government had a hard time shutting it down because they don't know where it's coming from, right? Like it's not, uh, it's not sitting in a Google data center. It's sitting in between all these onion routers and uh, the government just couldn't find it. And with that one, it was especially interesting because I think they finally found the uh, Silk Road operator by, uh, he's running most of his stuff in the onion router, but then he forgot to run something through the router and his IP address became public. So like, you know, it was some like, I think it was like a plugin for the a Silk Road site that wasn't completely like tour compatible. And now all of a sudden his real IP address gets out there uh, and it wasn't long before he was arrested by the FBI and is now, I think he's serving a life sentence in jail. But before that, he was living a good life of being super rich from all of the uh, <laughs> profits. Yeah. 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 You remember a few years ago, and I want to say it was during uh, Clinton's administration, I think, there was a guy who was using some dark web thing to release government documents, sensitive mm -hmm. documents and stuff. And I can't remember all the specifics. It's been a minute now and I didn't retain it. But like people typically use the dark web for things that they don't want people to know about. So if you're going to look at pornography or if you're cheating on your spouse or, you know, think, things of that nature, it provides yeah. a method of being protected. Now you could also do the thing with private browsing, although private browsing says it's, you know, giving you a level of anonymity, the, the company that you, you're going to may not see who you are, but somebody is seeing it. So whether it's yeah. Google or Firefox or Opera, somebody is seeing it. So it's not completely private as, as it may indicate. So yeah. between the dark web, private browsing, and all these kinds of ways to be uh, invisible online or anonymous online are not truly foolproof. So they, yep. there's no such thing as a hundred percent, like, you know, um, and, and there have been a ton of cases where, you know, criminal people have been uh, convicted because of what happens on their computer. And they think, well, I was private browsing or I was doing this this way, I'm protected. But the, the sad or the good part about computers is that motherboard is <laughs> a pretty powerful thing. And so yeah. when you have data, even if you delete it, clear your history, there are breadcrumbs everywhere on your computer, on your browser, everything has breadcrumbs that leaves even the smallest of breadcrumbs that you were there. So there's no way to say I'm 100% safe by using these things. And the dark web have a, has a lot of nefarious people out there looking for stupidity, right? Yeah. Somebody going to the dark web for some reason that they're just trying to hide something they're doing and there are people out there who may get it. And, and so a lot of the early talk about ransomware was born out of the dark web, you know, coming out of that side into the surface side of the web where, um, you know, companies and, and individuals think about ways to secure themselves. But I, I do think that it should be clear that although the dark web is very mysterious and you know people have lots of questions about it, it's not ideal if you do not know what you're doing. And can you talk about that a little bit? 
Yeah. So uh, a couple things first. And one thing I think when, when people think of the dark web too, they think of sort of like this sort of CD, like buy drugs, look at porn, do whatever, like, you know, you're doing something bad. So do it on the uh, dark web. And while there's definitely like a lot of that. And when I say like a lot, it's probably like 99% or more. <laughs> it's sort of those nefarious type things. There is like a use case for non-nefariousness. Like uh, a lot of journalism sites will have uh, connections through the dark web or tour if you want to communicate with the journalists, right? Because if you're in a, a country where communicating with journalists is, you know, frowned upon, like you don't want the government snooping on that. So China, you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like very topical Russia today. You don't want to be uh, sending out like pro-Ukraine <laughs> emails yeah, Russian citizens <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah so like you know maybe the maybe the dark web is a better is a better place for that because it is more anonymous and again not perfect but more anonymous one uh really interesting story from oh, I guess this is like seven or eight years ago now there was a school that had a bomb threat it was exams exam time right and someone sent a, an anonymous email with a bomb threat and they were able to track the email to the uh, to being sent through Tor or sent through the dark web, which when I heard that, I was like, well, you know, everything, you know, no catching them. <laughs> but then the people at the school said, OK, well, we don't know exactly like uh, who this came from, uh, but we do know who has connected their computer into the dark web, like roughly around this time. And they were able to track the person who made the bomb threat down by that because not many people were using this like uh, uh, the onion router for, you know, good or bad, or maybe, you know, there were just a handful, but they were able to say, yes, like you did this anonymously, but we know that like someone on campus connected from, you know, your dorm room to this private service and you also have an exam today. So like using those things together, they were able to track down the person that made the bomb threat, even though they couldn't really track it through tour, but they were able to just track it by this person touched tour, right? Like this person uh, entered the dark web at roughly the time this email was sent. And that gives us a pretty good, like that really narrows it down. <laughs> I know we're running out of time, but I just want to mention one thing. So a lot of times when people use the internet to cloak or hide or either clone uh, their, their information, um, it has some pretty interesting uh, context for, for it. And, and for a while, gamers were doing this thing called swatting. Huh. You know, you know, they'd be in their home, say in Wisconsin, and they're playing a game with somebody, say in Maryland, and the person in Maryland beats the crap out of them, and they would call the police or the FBI and say, "I've got a gun, I'm to kill. I killed all my relatives." And, and the, a huge police presence would go to this person's house who did nothing but win a game <laughs> with guns drawn, thinking they're going to take this person out. So, you know, the internet is a beautiful thing, and we talk about this a lot on our podcast. It's wonderful. Everything about technology is really, really great. The problem is everything has two sides: the good and the bad, the pro and the con. And we want to ask you to think very carefully about how you use this so you can protect your identity, protect your things, protect how you access what you access, and what little bit you can do to stay safe online. And so I think Drew has given us some very good information. Drew, thank you so much. We are much more informed than we were before, and I'm sure we're going to have some more questions 
But this is very important to me. And I think to Drew as well, we want you to be safe. We have learned some of these things over time. Some of it, not so much. You know, there is, I think someone said this many, many years ago, there is no such thing as complete safety online. None, not even for those big giant companies with gazillions of dollars to do it. There is not because someone nefarious just enough can get at you if they really put time and effort into it. Yeah. So thank you, Drew. And thank you, Rochelle. This was a, this was a fun one. <laughs> thank you for listening to Eminent Teachnology. If you like the show, please review, subscribe, and recommend us to your friends and family. We'd love to hear feedback from you as well. You can email us at eminentteachnology at gmail.com. See y'all soon.